Welcome to the Mama Bear Apologetics Podcast. A podcast where we teach you to roar like a mother. And by roar, we mean recognize the message, offer discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and reinforce these ideas with your kids. Unless you want to growl around your house. I mean, that's cool too. <laughs> You're like, check it, we keep it reels. <laughs> that's so bad. You're awesome. Mama Bear Apologetics is a listener-supported program, so if you like what we do, head on over to the Mama Bear Apologetics website and click support. It's time to rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. This might not affect your faith, but it might affect your children's. Hello, friends. We've got a special surprise and are releasing both parts two and three of Simon Brace's Spiritual Warfare series for a little Christmas bonus. But before we get into that, a few quick reminders. First, the Women in Apologetics annual conference will be taking place on January 24th and 25th at Biola University in La Mirada, California. The keynote speakers will be Joe Vitale and Alicia Wood from Ravi Zacharias Ministries, as well as Jeannie Jones, author of Finding Jesus in the Old Testament, and finally, me, Hilary Morgan Ferrer. This year's theme is Finding Your Voice, and we will be looking at the various ways that we can engage our children and our culture on topics like identity issues, abortion, art and apologetics, and we'll even have two of our own mama bears giving breakout talks, Hilary Short will be speaking on conversational apologetics, and Lindsay Medenwalt, our world religions expert, will be speaking on world religions. So a few more speaking engagements coming up. Uh, Since John and I will be in Charlotte for the holidays, I've asked my friend Amanda Burke to see if any of the churches that have done the Mama Bear apologetics study would like to meet up. So uh, good news, they do. If you are anywhere near the Charlotte or Fayetteville area, or Lillington, North Carolina, kind of within that radius, uh, we will be at Antioch Baptist Church in Lillington, North Carolina on Saturday, December 28th at 10 a.m. and just be talking with some of the local churches about the study and about what we do. Uh, Also coming up, if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area around Wednesday, February 5th, I'll be speaking to the parents at Frisco Bible Church regarding how to understand doubt, really important talk. And then a couple weeks later, I'll be at Grace Church in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, going over the Mama Bear Apologetics book with the parents and discussing how worldviews have been taking over our educational system and what we as parents and guardians can do to prepare our kids for these ideas. Um, And finally, last piece of announcement, I swear, uh, this has been a banner year for Mama Bear Apologetics. And when I first started this ministry, it was just basically me and a friend recording podcasts and uh, writing a blog here and there. The response to this ministry has been amazing. And I have since decided that I really need to focus on this full time, which I have for the past two years. Um, the, uh, the first year of full-time work, I did not receive any salary. And this year I've only taken $500 a month. Um, and I've relied mostly on volunteers to help out with other tasks, but the needs have gotten a lot greater than expected. And I really need help. And this is where I'm just asking for help. Um, and I feel especially burdened to be able to hire people to help me with all the administrative tasks. I have workers who are willing, who are capable, who are gifted and skilled, but I would really like to have the funds to turn Mama Bear Apologetics into a well-functioning ministry and not just a few people doing things on the side. So if you have been blessed by Mama Bear Apologetics, we have two ways for you to contribute financially. We have a non-tax deductible Patreon page loaded at patreon.com forward slash join 
forward slash Mama Bear Apologetics, where you can give a monthly gift. And we also have a tax deductible link that's located on the Mama Bear Apologetics page where you can give a one-time or a monthly tax deductible gift. And every cent you give us goes towards the building up of the ministry and trying to get more content and more training for the moms out there. Because I truly believe that when you get the moms, you get the whole family. And I would actually not say that that's true for everything in the church, but I have actually found that to be especially true with apologetics. So without further ado, please enjoy parts two and three of the podcast series on apologetics as spiritual warfare. And I pray that you have a very Merry Christmas. So welcome to another episode of Mama Bear Apologetics. I'm Hillary. And I'm Amy. And so we are continuing in part three of Simon Brace's talk on spiritual warfare. We had just gotten to at the what was he just starting to talk about at the very end of the last one? Starting to get into how pastors and lay people that they need to start equipping folks with apologetics because that is what we are called to do in scripture. He was referencing how so many churches, universities, that their main focus is evangelism and producing pastors, but they haven't equipped the pastors with the ability to think critically, to make a defense for the faith, which we're called to do. Not only that, that's part of discipleship making. And so he's really just throwing out these truth bombs out there, but they're very true that we need to stop taking the scripture so lightly and realize that Mm -hmm. with our training, with our leaders, with our deacons, our elders, they have to be capable of defending the flock. And he's basically been calling out churches and church leaders to say, look, you got to, you got to start picking up the slack. He, I like how he brings up the, the, the part from Titus where it's saying, this is the, uh, the prerequisite for being an elder to, to basically preach the gospel and refute Mm. those who are, are, do not have sound teaching. And this idea of refuting, it involves several different things to refute something you need to know what the other what what the bad idea is that's yes. going out. Not only do you need to know what the bad idea is, you need to know what the correct idea is. And so it's amazing how sometimes people can hear good theology and if it goes against something that they already believe, they'll just kind of squish it into this kind of amalgam of uh, oh well, I can hold on to both of these. And that and I mean that's how we get people with just really whacked out ideas. We need to be able to and not just us, elders Elders, elders, I mean, I think this is for everyone. And First Peter 3.15 talks about we all need to have a reason for the hope that is within us. But specifically, elders in the church need to be able to refute bad doctrine. Yes. And he's kind of going off right now in, uh, in just kind of a godly smackdown of uh, talking to people who are in the, I don't want to say the business, but in the ministry of raising up pastors and raising up future elders and saying, why are you making things like apologetics and logic electives? These need to be required. And I think this is actually what uh, made me think of this today because we were originally going to record on the podcast on logic, on syllogisms. And I think as soon as I heard the word syllogisms, it reminded me of the line in this mm-hmm. where, where Simon is saying there is you know, a whole generation of MDiv students that are coming out that don't know what a syllogism is. They don't know what a premise is. They don't know what a conclusion is. And so I just kind of want to encourage the mama bears that this is something that we are taking this talk. And I'm glad that we're doing it first because we, it might not be for a while. I want to get them all out at the same time, but we are going to want to be presenting to y'all how to know what a syllogism is, syllogism is, 
What is a premise? What is a conclusion? How can you think clearly? And then how can you teach your kids to do the same? Because basically, we've got a whole bunch of nonsense out there when it comes to messages that the world is churning out. Like Amy said in the, the the previous podcast where she was subbing for an apologetics class, and it was talking about how to present truth in an evangelistic way. And all the kids were struggling with this because they're saying, well, that might be my truth, but, but not someone else's truth. I mean, massive facepalm on that one. Like, had they, they had never been presented with the idea of truth and how having all these different truths is just incompatible. So we're going to continue on with Simon's talk here. I really hope that in the future, Amy and I are going to give you a good series that are going to be addressing a lot of the stuff that he talks about in here, just because we want to equip our mama bears. Absolutely. So continuing on with the SmackDown. <laughs> SmackDown. I know you're me. coming in at a good time. It's like you walk in and there's a middle of a, of a fight going on. Oh, what's happening? I go work with university students all the time and the attrition rate is staggering. What we don't need is another men's retreat. What we need is for these men, these pastors, to go down the road here. 300 yards. There's an abortion clinic behind this building. Another abortion clinic within a mile of here. Last year, 10,000 children were butchered within a mile of this church. Where are the conservative evangelical churches? Up in the mountains having another men's retreat. I had a conversation with a woman down here a few months ago. The world is insane. I'm standing on a sidewalk trying to convince a woman who's arranged for her daughter to come and have an abortion. She has arranged to have her grandchild butchered. And she's arguing with me. The world is insane. I then go across with my pastor, Dave Seaford, who's in the room here, to speak to another guy who has three children. His wife's about to have her fourth. And I say to him, in a couple of minutes, sir, they're going to carve your fourth child up 50 yards away from you. Guess who's standing down there? A bunch of old Catholic women. Where are the evangelical men? I don't know, watching NASCAR somewhere. We are going, we are going to have to start taking this seriously. I've dealt now with so many presidents. I've spoken about all these famous evangelical pastors that you guys have. And look, I love Alistair Big. Man, that guy can preach. I wish I could preach like that man. I hope to meet him someday and learn some more from him. But we're going to need your help, Alistair. I know this, these things, videos get on YouTube, so I'm just taking a, a chance here. Who knows? You never know what happens nowadays. You say something before you know it, they know it in China. <laughs> to the Christian organizations, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. I read this document last night. In fact, today I thought maybe that's all I should do is come in and just read you these eight glorious pages. 
This address given by Charles Malik, the inaugural address and dedication, I, I knew about this because apologists quote this document all the time. But then you know what? I found out that it was given at Wheaton College. Were these people listening? people at Billy Graham listening? Was Mr. Graham listening to what Charles Malik said to him 32 years ago? It is astonishing. Just listen to these words. Just, but just as we are not alone with God and the Bible, but also with others, so we are not only endowed with a soul and a will to be saved, but also with the reason to be sharpened and satisfied. This reason wonders about everything, including God. And we are to seek and love Him and worship the Lord our God with all our strength and all of our mind. And because we are with others, we are arguing and reasoning with one another all the time. Indeed, every sentence and every discourse is a product of reason. And so it is neither a shame nor a sin to discipline and cultivate our reason to the utmost. It is a necessity, it is a duty, it is an honor to do so. Going on, I assure you, so far as the university is concerned, I have no patience with piety alone. I want the most rigorous intellectual training. I want the perfection of the mind. Equally, I have no patience with reason alone. I want the salvation of the soul. I want the fear of the Lord. I want at least neutrality with respect to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. What I crave to see is an institution that will produce as many Nobel Prize winners as saints. An institution in which, while producing in every field the finest works of thought and learning in the world, Jesus Christ will at the same time find himself perfectly at home in it. In every dormitory and lecture hall and library and laboratory. This is impossible today. Why it is impossible is the most important question that can be asked. It just gets better. I regret that all of this abstract thinking and nothing is more hateful to me than this kind of thinking. What he's saying here is he says, look, I don't, I don't want to just talk about it. We need to do something about it. But I only want to oppose the problem. Believe me, my friends, the mind today is in profound trouble. Perhaps more so than ever. The problem is not only to win souls, but also to save minds. If you win the whole world and lose the mind of the world, you will soon discover that you have not won the world. Indeed, it may turn out that you have actually lost the world. Then he says this. Could the Billy Graham Center at Wheaton College sponsor this task? It remains to be seen whether it could. But if Christians do not care for the intellectual health of their own children and for the fate of their own civilization, a health and a fate so inextricably bound up with the state of mind and the spirit in the universities, who is going to care? This is a gigantic task, for it cannot be accomplished as I believe Christ himself 
would want it to be accomplished. People must be set on fire for it. It is not enough to be set on fire for evangelization alone. This is a solemn occasion. I must be frank with you. The greatest danger besetting American evangelical Christianity is the danger of anti-intellectualism. What could be more wonderful than a center named after the greatest evangelist of our age to aim at achieving under God and according to God's own pace the twofold miracle of evangelizing the great universities and intellectualizing the great evangelical movement? These two things are absolutely impossible, and because they are at the same time absolutely needed, God can make them absolutely possible. What are your thoughts? Yeah, and so I know we're gonna you're gonna hear this story again in our first logic discussion, but this is something that I had seen in our own seminary that I was a part of. They actually required for graduation that you had to take critical thinking, which was logic class. And one of the things that I noticed among the pastors is the most resistance came from them in learning how to understand these arguments, how to figure out, okay, which one is, which one makes sense, which one is logical, which one follows through learning the different forms of these. They were complaining the entire time about how I'm not going to use this. This isn't necessary. Why am I wasting my time when I should be preaching and reaching and that sort of thing? They were there were some that were frustrated that their MDiv was being on hold because they had to take this class. And it was mm. just, it was just too much. I don't see why it was important. I, and he hits it so well. It's that we're so focused on the soul that we forget that the mind comes with it. And we, yeah. we do, we need to understand these things as you were mentioning about the teaching of the elders to refute these arguments. And these pastors completely missed that. It's not just about yeah. ministering. It's not just about having this amazing attendance at the altar call. It's about discipling folks to be able to perceive the spiritual warfare that's out there and being able to demolish these strongholds. And I think that's such a great way of referring to bad ideas as they do. They hold nations captive. And so this training is so necessary, not just to keep folks within the faith, but understanding the nature of God and being or having them be effective soldiers out there for the faith. Yeah. And the thing that he's reading right now, and we'll, we'll put this in the podcast notes is this is what was read at the inauguration of the Billy Graham Center at what Wheaton a challenge. College. At the, I mean, normally you'd have these, these opening statements and they would be very encouraging and everything else. And this is, but it's also, this is a bold challenge. Yeah. And it, and it kind of just shows you that they, they understood what was going on. And I'm not 100% sure where Wheaton is now. I know that they have been kind of starting to go mm-hmm. liberal. I feel like they were one of the last holdouts for the, for the conservative evangelical schools that were still kind of top tier. And it makes me sad that I think they're starting to, to wane mm-hmm. on that. I think reading this whole statement in, in its entirety, I think, uh, is worth having it in the podcast notes for just because it gives you this goal of what, what we should be striving for in Christian academia that it just makes sense. And it, it's, it puts a fire under you. And it just, I don't know, when stuff really makes sense and when I really hear truth, I just, I just, it's like it resonates with me. I almost start shaking because I'm like, oh my gosh, I recognize this is so true. This is so true. And I'm so thankful that the, I can't remember the name of the guy that he said that, that wrote this for the Billy Graham Center there, 
man, how many schools need to go back to their original charters and see what they were started on? Isn't that sad, though, that we all the top tiers were based, you know, they were started by Christians. And yet those are the ones now that are the most liberal. In fact, there was just a complaint not too long ago about how these schools are not even teaching people how to think anymore. It's just more of programming. Well, here's the here's the liberal rhetoric, you know, go forth and make disciples. And uh, it's sad. Yeah. I, I, me personally, I would really like to to dig into that, and I, pr- I probably will after this. Just how how did this progression start? Were it just these little compromises, these little step backs? And mm-hmm. it is it's sad that these these spearheads of our nation are no longer adhering to what they were founded upon. Yeah, I believe there was kind of a hyper fundamentalist shift that really removed itself from public discourse uh, in the intellectual life. And I think that's kind of where it started is it just basically a ban- It's like you had some bad stuff starting to sneak into the university. And instead of saying, no, we're not going to put up with this, they said, you know, basically this, this is not godly mm-hmm. anymore. And so we ju- we're just going to pull out completely. And we completely abandoned the university to the secularists and we have, we have not recovered no. from that. We have not even come close to recovering from that. I see it only spiraling more and more out of control, which is the, the craziness that's going on. I think I posted something the other day about how there's some school that feels that having a Chick-fil-A on campus compromises people's yes. mental well-being. Oh. And I'm like, good grief. If having a restaurant compromises your mental well-being, you do not need to be in college, sweetie. You need to be in some serious right. therapy. Like, if that is your trigger as a chicken sandwich company that believes differently than you, then we've got we've got bigger issues here than just, you know, trying to go to your economics 101 class, if they even teach economics oh anymore. My well, and it's not the only school. There was another one not too long ago that all the student they had asked the student, it was a student poll of what do you want on campus? And of course they wanted Chick-fil-A. I mean, who wouldn't? It's amazing. But the folks in charge, uh, forgive me, I'm running a blank right now. They shot it down for the same reason as this other school is, oh no, they're progressive. So we cannot have their chicken sandwiches. And it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's too oh my triggering. Gosh. That good chicken, that amazing chicken is too triggering just because, yeah, anyway. Okay. We're getting <laughs> off topic. We'll finish up. <laughs> we'll keep going with Simon here as he is on a roll. I think uh, where we're coming in is he's continuing with the the address. He's continuing with the inaugural address at the Billy Graham Center. At, at I think it's Wheaton. All of a sudden, I'm getting confused no, of if it's Moody. It's Wheaton. I'm pretty sure it's I, I want him. Yeah. Okay. Every self-defeating attitude stems originally from the devil because he is the adversary, the arch nihilist par excellence. It cannot be ruled by the Holy Spirit. Anti-intellectualism is an absolutely self-defeating attitude. Wake up, my friends. Wake up. The great universities control the mind of the world. Therefore, how can evangelism consider its task accomplished if it leaves the university unevangelized? <laughs> and how can evangelism, evangelism evangelize the university if it cannot speak to the university? And how can it speak to a university if it is not itself ready to be intellectualized? Therefore, evangelism must first intellectualize itself to be able to speak to the university and therefore to be able to evangelize the university and therefore save the world. This is the great task, the historic task. The most needed task. The task required louder and louder by the, required louder and louder and clear by the Holy Spirit. To which the Billy Graham Center must humbly address himself. Mr. Graham and your two wonderful sons. 
You maybe heard this lecture 32 years ago. Maybe you need to read this piece of paper again. I pray that you men would be men of great courage. These men I've mentioned here. That if a man like Mitt Romney walks into your room, that you remind him that there is no salvation for any man apart from the righteousness of Christ. And all of these works, even if he becomes the president of this country, is not going to save him. Mr. Romney, you are not going to become a god. Joseph Smith was a false prophet. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and I am unashamed of that. To the missions organizations, SIM, OM, all these other organizations, you too have a responsibility to do this. But guess what? To every single Christian now, every single brother in Christ, 1 Peter 3.15, because I have gone on now and I've railed on about these guys. We are all called to this project. 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. Are you ready to do that? Folks, I don't want to just stand here and curse the darkness. I am pleading with you. Now, because I don't know where I'm going to be in six months' time. To the conservative evangelical community, from the guys who are on the top of the pyramids to everybody down at the bottom, we are going to have to take this seriously. We're going to have to stop getting in a huddle and patting each other on the back. And so I'm going to close now with a quote from C.S. Lewis who stresses the importance of philosophy in this instance just to remind us all that yes, we need to study philosophy, I mean theology and all these other things but the role that philosophy plays this is an important part and all the people in academic institutions all you Christians, everybody does philosophy at some level or not we need to do good philosophy listen carefully to what C.S. Lewis says about this. To be ignorant and simple now, not to be able to meet the enemies on their own ground, would be to throw down our weapons and betray our uneducated brethren who have under God no defense but us against against the intellectual attacks of the heathen. Let me read that again. <clears throat> to be ignorant and simple, not now to be able to meet the enemies on their own ground, <clears throat> would be to throw down our weapons and to betray our uneducated brethren who have no under God, no defense but us against the intellectual attacks of the, of the heathen. Good philosophy must exist, if for no other reason, because bad philosophy needs to be answered. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I know that this has probably been an uncomfortable, it's been uncomfortable for me to, to preach this to you. And I know it's running late, but I don't care. I work with college students. We have to stop. We have to start doing something serious now. Stop paying lip service to this aspect. 
We need to start defending the faith. Not because I say so, because the Bible tells you to do it. Because this clip that we ran earlier on, it's easy to get nostalgic about that. But you know what? When we walk out there, it's difficult. And I'm not going to try and tell you that it isn't. What I'm going to tell you is I'm going to tell you the truth. There's no glory in being an idiot for Jesus. I want that on a shirt. (laughs) So let's stop that now. Just tell other people, encourage them. I'm going to try and encourage you. Now, I know this is difficult to do after what I've just said. (laughs) Brothers and sisters in Christ, please, I urge you. We follow the being who threw the universe into existence. We need to take this seriously. It's not a game. It is not a game. We've lost the universities. And we just ignore. It's astonishing. Can we go back there? Can we make a difference? Well, I believe we can. And I'm at least, I'm going to go down fighting. I just hope that many more will do the same thing. Get away from this theological pietism, this sort of false theologism, which would have nothing to do with these things. We just preach the gospel. That isn't even what the Bible teaches. That's nonsense. Furnish your mind with truth. The object of the intellect is truth. And if your intellect does it work? How do you propose to get to truth? Don't assume that you think well. Romans 12, 2. Interesting passage. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I would submit to you that that is far more radical than most people would ever get noticed. You think the transformation of your, your heart is radical? I think God wants to do the same thing with your mind. Remove you from your ignorance. And what's fascinating about that, the second half of that verse is that the transformation of the mind is connected to knowing the will of God. So you don't have to go and read the plethora of books about discovering the will of God. It's just confusion there. Just try and work on your mind. And maybe you can find out what God has got for you. I thank you for coming to this conference. I hope that in some way, God won't redeem this. What I've said today. And impress upon you something. And on these people, if they ever get to hear this, I don't know if they will. I don't care. I don't need to press them. I'm mad. I've got a beautiful wife. <laughs> <laughs> my, my parents have got air tickets and maybe I can get theirs back to Africa. Or something. Let me close in a word of prayer. Father, I just thank you for what has been a difficult afternoon for me, you know. I I just pray, Lord, that uh, you would arouse us from our slumber with respect to these things. That you would keep us from our pride, those of us who are in high stations in the conservative evangelical church, that we would just remember exactly what we are, finite men. Lord, keep us humble, sharpen us, against one another, encourage us through your Holy Spirit and your word, remind us of your resurrection and the hope that we have that men who don't know you do not have. I thank you for this conference. I thank you for everybody here. This, And I thank you for their patience in sitting in 
I pray that something that I've said this evening might be of benefit to them. Please bless them. Work in their lives. Send them out as people who will make it across the beach to the machine gun embankments and take them out. We need a few victories, Lord. Help us with that. Give us your favor, Lord. Give us your favor in the academy today. Help us, Lord, love the pastor so that they can see the value of this in their churches and their preaching and their education hours for their kids. And might all of this, Father, glorify you. I thank you for your son, Lord. I thank you for the seminary. I thank you for Southern Evangelical Seminary. What a... Thank you for bringing me to that school, Lord. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Gosh, what I... Oh. Well, I don't think we can do much better than Goodness, that. Right? <laughs> what I think is so sad is he talks about how we've lost the universities, but it's so much worse than that is we didn't, we, we gave them up to, to lose almost implies yes. that maybe there was a fight involved at some point and perhaps there was, but if I can dare to quote Monty Python on the show, we, we bravely ran away. We, we just left. <laughs> and, and that's sad because it's the damage control of trying to regain that it's going to be a tough fight. I can't say that it's impossible. But it's it's a lot harder to gain it back than it would have been to maintain yeah. it, I think is a fair assessment. I think that a lot of the stuff that he's talking about, and we're talking about spiritual warfare, because that really was, it's like, that's probably the most unorthodox talk that you will ever hear on Yeah, spiritual you wouldn't warfare, expect the way he did it. Uh, you would kind of expect more of, like we'd spoken about earlier, the, the, a charismatic presentation, but this was not yeah. the case. And... If we think of the intellectual life as a way of protecting our children, I mean, that's what Mama Bear is about, is trying to say that there, there is a, a rich and robust intellectual tradition within Christianity. And right now with the ideas that are taking people captive, that are taking our kids mm-hmm. captive, if we do not know how to address those, we are going to lose our kids just as quickly as we lost the universities. And it's because kind of like what, what, what Simon did. There's nothing wrong with retreats. There's nothing wrong with conferences. But if all we have is this holy huddle where we're patting each other on the back and we're trying to have a personal relationship with God and we are not training ourselves to fortify this faith within culture and we lose yes. culture, we have no one to blame but ourselves. And that's, that's kind of essentially what we have going on right now is more and more we are living in Babylon and the way that we are parenting our children is going to have to change because what we did when you and I were kids and when our parents were kids will not work anymore. Culture does not reinforce our Christian beliefs. If anything, it's hostile against them. And so our kids are going to be fighting a losing battle from the beginning. It is no longer going to be the cool thing unless, unless you keep them in a bubble, which you can do. And there is a, there is a time and a place for that. I think especially during mm-hmm. formative years, but we need to be addressing the things that they will be facing out in the world. Because if we don't address it with them and, and the world addresses it with them, then it's going to look like we've been hiding it from them. And at that point, we look like we have lied to them or that we have been basically hiding yeah. things from them. Yeah, we want to be first in line. And at that point, you lose trust. Oh, I'm sorry. What yeah, we want to be first in line to have these conversations when possible. Obviously, we're we're not omniscient. We're not going to be able to see every attack, but we want to make sure that for the most part, they're, they hear it from us first. 
And there's a legitimate place for spiritual warfare when it comes to just demonic attack in terms of like really legitimate spiritual stuff. And you'll see that a lot more, like I think he mentioned, kind of over in the third world countries where the supernatural is still so readily Mm -hmm. accepted that they can have a more overt attack over there. I think we have a lot of attack here, but it is masked by mental illness. It's masked by anxiety. It's masked by depression and that we don't realize what where things are coming from. But more than anything, like you said, the, the devil's greatest feat was convincing the world that he doesn't exist. So we're living in a, in, a, in a society where we don't think about those things. And so how does Satan work on that? He works with mm-hmm. ideas. He works with ideas that are raised against the knowledge of God. And step by step, it takes us, it takes our family members, it takes our friends, it takes our children away from the truth and the knowledge of Christ because we have not known how to engage the world and the world's ideas. And the world's ideas really are the demonic ideas that talks about in in scripture, I don't have it up in front of me, about doctrines Mm -hmm. of demons. And this we we think of ideas as just this, oh, you know, Aristotle, Plato, whatever, you know, philosophy. We do not recognize that when we are dealing with ideas, these ideas are not just coming from men. Some of these ideas are coming Mm -hmm. from demons. And if we fall prey to that, we are falling under that power and we cannot underestimate that, which is why I can't say that this is why I started Mama Bear is I saw the slaughter that was going on with kids and I wanted moms to feel empowered to be able to stem that tide to say, not my children, you are not going to take my children. Absolutely. One thing though, that I think, especially these talks were, were being encouraging, obviously this is what we are called to do. But one thing we also want to, that we have to acknowledge too, is as parents, we can do everything that we are supposed to do. We can equip them, we can train them, we can get them to think critical ideas, but there are going to be some kids that that do walk away. And so we always want to keep it in perspective, folks, that we're not trying to, our our goal isn't to play Holy Spirit. Our goal isn't, oh, well, I got to get my kids saved. What I think that we should do, and it's, I think it's an easier goal to seek after, is to make our children capable and accountable to help Mm. them so that they are able to wrestle and discern truth. Because if they can at least discern truth, they're constantly going to be bumping into into God. And so when they're able to do that, even if they leave our house and they have not put their faith in Christ, as long as they can discern truth, they're going to be bumping into them. And Holy Spirit is is going and still works. So there is hope. I've met, I was spoke at a conference last year and there was a dad that came up to me afterward and he was sharing about how he felt like he had messed up. My my talk was on raising warriors and it was raising kids for apologetic engagement. And he said, I, I think I've messed up because my kids are almost out of the house. They're going into college and I just don't have as much time as I need. And it's, you know, it just just keep working at it, make the most of every moment. And yeah, as long as we're we're just getting in there and doing our best to have our ki- kids be capable and accountable, God still works in that. And I think just uh, the, the basic tenet, and this is something that I have when uh, I started this ministry with Rebecca, this is one of the things that, that we focused on every single time is that we are not called to success. We're mm, called to amen. faithfulness. And we always use the uh, analogy of, oh, golly, what's the name of that movie? Uh, the one where the guy's the conscientious subject. Hacksaw Ridge. Hack, uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Where he's up there and he just keeps saying, you know, he turns around and he says, one more, Lord, help me save one more. And then he goes and he finds one, he lowers it down the 
Yeah, it lowers it down the, the the cliff and then he turns around just exhausted and says one more. And that has been our goal from the very beginning. And I, I really feel like the Lord has blessed the ministry just because we didn't come out in this ministry saying, we're going to be like the number one ministry. You know, it, it's not about that. And I think it's, it, it's the same yes. way in parenting is we're not necessarily called to always be successful in our parenting because you look at the perfect father. He was over <laughs> too. <laughs> When it comes to the Garden of Eden. So if we think that we're a better parent than he is, we need to check our hearts. But at the same time, we do what we are capable of doing. And we need to be aware of what the enemy's schemes are. We need to be aware of the things that are bringing our kids and dragging them away from the knowledge of Christ. And we need to prioritize that. And we need to, and we need to recognize what kind of culture that we're living in that we can't do a thousand and one different different sports and clubs and stuff like that and not be discipling our children in the faith. Absolutely. I just encourage everybody to read, you know, the stories of, of Daniel and just the stories of the times when the Jews were in exile and the way that they were able to keep their identity in the midst of being in a hostile situation or a hostile culture, because that is the culture that we are in. I'm just going to pray us out just because I still feel like praying, even though Simon's prayer was awesome. I'm just all fired up now. (laughs) (laughs) Father God, I thank you so much for Simon. I thank you for his friendship. I thank you for, thank you for him and Nell and just the the impact that they have made in in the local church and in the universities through Ratio Christi and through his studies, Lord, and uh, just his fearlessness for speaking truth, Lord. I thank you that we have a man out there that is champion other men to stand up and be men, Lord. And I pray that Mama Bear would be a similar way that we would be able to champion women to stand up and be truly women of God and truly just godly women that are doing everything in our power in order to protect the next generation and in order to educate ourselves as well. Uh, Lord, I pray for just this talk that we just listened to. Lord, I pray that you would be giving the ladies thoughts about spiritual warfare, about how the life of the intellect is involved with that, about how the life of the intellect is going to affect their children, Lord. And I pray that you would just supernaturally take away any fear that might come along with that. I I think sometimes when something is kind of an uncomfortable area, that there's a lot of fear that goes into that. And I think Satan plays into that. He's going to be telling the woman, you're not smart enough to do this, that this is outside of your wheelhouse. This is, there's no way you'll be able to understand this, Lord. And we just speak against that right now that say, those are lies, Lord. And we reject those lies. And we come to the truth that, Lord, you have given us a sound mind, Lord. You have given us sound mind. You have not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind, Lord. And we cling to that truth and we reject anything that says that we can't do this or that this is too much for us. Father God, I pray that you would divinely teach the, the ladies out there how to create just space, how to create godly space amidst just so much busyness, Lord, that's going on and how to create buffer and how to create teachable moments, Lord, and not just, I remember someone telling me, if Satan can't make you bad, he makes you busy, Lord. And that's something that I try to take very, very seriously when I see myself getting too busy as if I'm working too much for you, Lord, and not taking that time out to really have that relationship, Lord. I pray that we would value the relationship with you because that is so absolutely important. But we would also value the relationship of Christianity with our minds because that is how we engage culture. And if nothing else, Lord, we are called to be salt and light. And in order to engage the culture, we have to engage them on their terms, Lord. 
Lord, I pray for emboldened mama bears right now. I pray for passionate mama bears. I pray for women who finally say, nope, not my kids. You mess with my kids and I will demolish your arguments, Lord. We demolish arguments and not people, Lord. I just pray that you would be raising up an army of mama bears who know how to go about this compassionately, graciously, but fiercely when it comes to the intellectual life, Lord. We thank you and we praise you and we pray that you would just continue to bless this ministry, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. This has been a Mama Bear Apologetics recording. To learn more about Mama Bear Apologetics, please visit us on the web at www.mamabearapologetics.com. We hope you learned a little more about how to sift through ideas, accept the good, reject the bad, and now you can go teach your kids to do the same. Do you have any questions or maybe some ideas about future podcast episodes? Send us an email to askthemamabears at gmail.com and we'll do our best. Rise up, ladies. Rise up, mama bears. We are all in this together.